Infrastructure is crumbling and the problems are only getting worse. The pressure to find solutions is hot. Let's talk about why American cities have no water, no electricity, and no money to fix their infrastructure problems. Welcome to the Infrastructure Hot Seat Podcast, hosted by Chad Smelter. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Infrastructure Hot Seat Podcast. My name is Chad Smelter. I'm your host. Today's guest is Cassie Clancy, who's with Pipeline Reline, <laughs> Pipeline Reline, Pipe Reline Solutions. Thanks for joining me, Cassie. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Chad. It's, it is a tongue twister. <laughs> it's Monday morning, too. So, you know, that's one of those things that uh, yeah. you get warmed up for. Uh, so thanks for joining me, Cassie. Uh, my first questions are always like, how did you get into the industry? Uh, about five years ago, I was approached um, by a friend of mine, and he had just acquired <clears throat> a pipe manufacturing <clears throat> firm or plant, I should say, in Indiana. And he wanted someone that he figured could learn the industry and run it for him. So after a couple of years of doing that, learning everything I didn't realize I didn't know about manufacturing plants, um, we ended up getting acquired. And then I kind of was like, well, what do I want to do now? And so I wanted to learn more about pipe repair and like existing pipes and what do they do when they're failing when it's not just stormwater and it's not just HDPE. So <clears throat> that really became what Pipe Reline Solutions is today is we don't just rep one manufacturer, we rep multiple manufacturers and we look for the best solution. We don't try and make one solution fit for every job. I like that. <laughs> it is Monday morning. I'm still trying it to. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's part of the, you know, when we get time, we do this. So it's mm -hmm. good to connect. Uh, so, okay. <laughs> so you're part of, you wanted to learn more about pipe, uh, you know, underground trenchless pipes and things like that. It sounds like, and then yeah. uh, we've done some retakes because we had some issues, but you mentioned your dad was in the industry too, or in construction, right? Is that? In construction. Yeah. yeah. So he's, I mean, he's familiar to a certain degree with, um, what I do, like when I talk about it, my dad understands it. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people have like no knowledge of it. Uh, my parents were also the victims a few years ago of a culvert failing here outside of the Boise area. Mm. Um, and their house was flooded along with 30 other homes uh, wow. because it wasn't repaired in time before that pipe completely collapsed. Wow. <clears throat> so yeah, my dad's very familiar with in that regard with what I do. Yeah. Yeah, that's well. Still, you, someone you can relate to that kind of understands yeah. it, and that's hard sometimes. <laughs> You're just like, "Hey, there's a water pipe underground, and it's you yeah. know, ductile iron or whatever." It's, people are like, "What?" Like, I have no clue. So, it's, yeah, it's fun to have someone to bounce things off of. So, uh, so you're. A woman in the industry, you're like I've mentioned before, you know, in our previous recordings, uh, where you're like an anomaly because it's not a lot of women in this industry, and you're, uh, you know, repping these solutions to these government entities. How is it, uh, you know, being a woman now in the industry? There's a lot more women coming into the industry now. What's yeah. what's it like for you? Um, my experience, I mean, my my experience just ever since even graduating college, I've been in a male dominated industry when I was in tech, it was still mostly male dominated, except for like those of us women in marketing. Yeah. Um, so I guess for me, that wasn't a hard transition. And I understand sometimes there's an old school club that <laughs> I, I show up on a job site and they don't want to listen to me. And I'm okay with that. Like, I'll still, I'll still speak my truth and I'll still say, Hey, here's some tips and tricks, take them or don't. And if you don't want to, because you're stubborn, then you know what, you'll learn the hard way. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, 
I do think it's it's so exciting to see this this industry grow with women though. Um, mm-hmm. I belong to the National Association of Women in Construction. And yes. in the, th- the two and a half years I've been involved with the Boise chapter, we've more than doubled in size. Oh wow. So it's super exciting to see. And that's I mean, that's women in a lot of different construction, right? Project managers, estimators. Um, actually, you know, boots in the trenches women. So it's across the board though. It's just, it's cool to be a part of that organization and get to see and get to meet other women who we, we get together once a month and we get to talk just exactly about this kind of stuff, Chad, where, you know, what do we face and how do we overcome it? Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. We need more of that uh, throughout the country. And I'm sure there's other organizations similar to that. And that's, that's a, it's a great place to just bounce ideas off of and, and unite, you know, to, to bring more women to the industry and, you know, educate uh, how to do this type of work underground trenchless, you know, and you're in that project management sales process of where you're managing yeah. a lot of these projects. Yeah. What are some of the challenges you're starting to face as you're putting these projects together for cities um, out? Is it labor? Like what's the big thing going on? Yeah, you and I have talked a little bit about that on our other live streams. It's I the last two years has been a huge labor shortage. Yeah. Um, so I like last year was it was awful. Like things that we thought would happen, projects that we just didn't get the we didn't get awarded and we didn't get the POs for because they didn't have anyone to do the installs. Mm. And you have to, I mean, you and I both know this because we've worked with government so long, those budgets are set. 18 months to 24 months in advance is when they're setting budgets for futures. Well, they didn't predict in one year, in one year, what inflation would do. They didn't have budgets set for that. Right. So they're trying to recruit people, but the pay doesn't match what it should be, what inflation was. People could go to private sectors and make a lot more money. Um, so, you know, and then, and then projects that got delayed. I mean, I had one project, if it would have gone on time on budget would have been $650,000. Two years later, they paid 1.1 million to have the, and the contractor had to increase the, 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 the job. There was no, all the labor, all the material, everything had gone up, but because they didn't, they didn't check the box and get it going and things got delayed. It really, really cost that project a lot more money. Hmm. So I've been encouraging myself and all my sales reps, like if we can get in front of a customer, I'm like, even if it's not going until this fall, order it now, lock in the price now, because none of us know what the future holds right now with pricing. You're 100% right. It's uh, It's been a huge challenge for everyone throughout the country. I've been hearing the same stories in different cities, you know, you're talking about 30%, 40% increases on some of these projects, potentially. It's, it's- yeah, it's a lot it's a of lot. money when they're 600,000 yeah. to 1.1 million now. I mean, yeah. that that's going to impact uh, budgets all over. And you're just going to see, you know, less and less infrastructure getting repaired then, right? Because you yeah. have an extra 400 grand or you had to put into another project or 500, whatever. And that's going to take away from somewhere else, you know. Uh, the, yeah, the well, and people. this is the other thing, Chad, that you and I both know what happens yeah. is I had a job that bid last year. Um, I tried and tried to convince this contractor to lock in pricing because we just last year kept seeing everything go up, right? Yeah. I'm like, lock in the price, lock in the price. Well, he he went to order the pipe this year and it was quite a bit more than he like, <laughs> I mean, sticker shock, right? And I was like, I tried to get you to lock in the price because my price keeps going up, right? And right. Um, so what did he do? He went to the engineer and tried to have the engineer change the specification 
to a less expensive inferior product wow. because he did not want to pay what, and, and the engineer, this is what, this is where I think us working closely with engineers is great. That engineer called me and said, he's trying to specify this product. It's not going to do the same thing as, as the one you and I've worked with and that you've showed me. Right. And I was like, no. And here's why. And he's like, that's what I thought. I'm not going to let him do a change order. And you know, those engineers have to trust their gut too. Like I specified this product for a reason because right. it does what it's supposed to do. Um, right. So yeah, that's uh that's something I do run into. So you're, 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 uh, your strategy and my strategy is very similar when I was doing sales, like, you know, putting projects together with the best products, you know, as salespeople, we want to represent the best, highest quality standard products or yep. service. Right. Um, it, it's just our reputation. That's, that's the, that's it right there. Absolutely, <laughs> it's it's yeah. all about your reputation. <laughs> if you sell something that's inferior and it's not going to work or it fails, you're going to get a black eye in the industry and you're not right. going to be working for cities that long if you keep doing those kind of things. So, what you're doing is bringing a best value kind of solution to the table for these government entities. And you're providing that value to, to verify the products that you're representing and the services that yeah. you're representing, which is huge uh, for, for any government entity to have, because that's all the time that you're spending to do the research versus them spending all that time. And you're providing a, a lot of value there. So that's, that's great. That's a good job. Well, in a, in a normal situation, I would like to offer more than one solution too, so that they can, they can, they can consider different options and different products. As long as I, I feel like they're going to do the job that they're looking to do. Yeah. Um, in some instances, I only have one product that might work. Um, right. In some, I might have three. It just depends. Yeah. I mean, there's been times where I'm like a competitor might have a better product. You, you know, might want to spec that, you know, there's, it's just yeah. the way it goes. If, if that's the, if you, you're always looking out for the client, you know, that's the best. So yeah, uh, the, it's a great value service that you're offering and uh, love it. Um, so what are the challenges that we're facing with low bid? We've been talking about low bid um, yeah. previously, <laughs> previous comment conversations. It's um, one of your hot topics. It is a hot topic. It drives me nuts uh, because we're still doing low bids and everything's like price, price, price. And then we're seeing the impacts of yep. it with the crumbling infrastructure. So what have been some of your experiences with that low bid process? Well, kind of just what I was saying, like the, the, the contractor, even just that I was talking about, like coming in, you know, one, you know, a product is specified, you know, that that's what you've got to buy, yeah. but you don't want to pay that price. So you try and val you try and get the engineer to accept a lesser product. And that's, but you, did you bid it based on knowing the specification and using the price that you received on the product that was specified? Yeah. Yes, you did. Even if it was more expensive. Um, right. Another thing I've heard from um, recently with a contractor, and this is not a contractor in my territory. Uh, <laughs> so they, they will know a project is specified just giving you an example. I mean, I'm let's making it up like HDPE, right? Right. So they will get a price on the HDPE because it's specified and, but they're a CIPP contractor. So they're going to go after the bid anyway, bidding it as though it's HDPE, but they're going to mark it up. They're going to come in high with the HDPE even, and they know that they'll be competitive because everybody else has to use HDP. And then they come in and they value engineer the engineer to switch it to CIPP because they make more money. Wow. Um, and they're doing this frequently. So That's they're getting, they're talking engineers into once they've won the bid, 
to try and get them to use CIPP. And almost always they say they can get the engineers to agree, but then they make double the amount than they, if they would have used like the HDP. That is not Isn't good. that wild? That is, I mean, that's, that's terrible. That's just, yeah. uh, I mean, you're rigging the system. Basically you're using you the, uh, yeah. Wow. Like, and I mean, I knew it was madness. Who's to blame? I mean, if the engineers agree to it and they allow a change order, that yeah. contractor maybe still, I mean, no contractor is going to bid it to lose money. Right? right. I don't think, but if they're just assuming they're always going to get it flipped, they're going to come in aggressive knowing even if it stays HDPE, which they assume it won't. Yeah. They're gonna they're gonna get the CIPP and make a lot more. Uh, but why did the engineer specify it one way and then allow another way? I can't I, I, can't, I can't fathom it. I can't believe that's even allowed. That it, it makes right. no sense to me that that would be. It usually has to go out for rebid if you change that kind of uh, that kind, yeah. part of the spec. I mean, that's a rebid. Uh, you put a whole new <laughs> pipe. Yep. You know, a CIPP I'm is completely different frequently. to HDP. What's that? I'm seeing this frequently. Yeah. Where wow. when where I you know we we go out and we specify one product and then the, the contractors and they'll be pretty blunt about it. Like, Hey, I know it specified something that you worked on, but we're going to, we're going to convince them a different product. And we're looking at uh, CIPP, you know, it's been around for a long time. It's been in the ground. They've been using it for a long time. Now we're starting to get, see a lot of the after effects of CIPP, not to say it doesn't work. It does. And there's certain conditions it needs to be used, but right. I think we've, we've been using it, uh, in the wrong way, uh, in certain circumstances, you know, just to tell people that, you know, it's going to stop I I I've experienced when they're saying, uh, it's, it's going to stop roots. And I'm like, it's not going to stop roots unless you seal up the whole thing. You know, you can't represent it that it's going to stop all these things when it's a cured in place liner inside of a host pipe and it has angular spaces and it has weak points at some point in time, you know, there's places where it, it might not be installed correctly and all that stuff. So there is advantages to to having these type of pipes, but if we're switching it out from a like a solid HDP pipe, you know, and then we're putting in a CIPP liner instead, yeah. that's completely different. Wow. So yeah, and I've been talking to engineers about, you know, because I don't like I don't I don't know enough about CIPP to, to right. really speak to it. Um, I mean, I know its qualities and why it's used. One thing I have always recommended, like if you're gonna look at that, I mean. In, in even using HDPE, any type of HTP, solid wall, profile wall, you grout the annular space. You've got to find all those voids. You've got to facilitate your point, the I and I. It's you need to seal that up, right? right? To restructure like under a road or whatever's happening. So that same specification can be held to CIPP. Mm, yeah. If you're gonna allow CIPP in a hose pipe, there are still voids and there is still annular space. So why do we specify grouting of HDPE, but we don't specify it with CIPP? Yeah, I've noticed, I noticed that with cities, uh, they didn't want to spend the money to do the lateral connections, grout them, or right. know, even put a, know, a yeah. core section of liner in there, you know, that kind of stuff. They didn't want to spend that money because it's the private side. But that's where all the, <laughs> I mean, you line a pipe to stop I and I because that's what you're trying to do, and you reinstate the laterals. You just re it just raises the water table up and it pushes it right back into laterals. So right. what are you stopping? <laughs> Stop anything. So uh, anyway, uh, interesting conversation on that. that. That's a man. That's a huge problem if that's still. And I knew it was happening when I left my previous company. You know, I, and that's why I started the big chairman and not to talk about my stuff. But you know, it's more it's just about you. But that's the problem. Like I've, I've started watching these re, like lining of manholes, rehabilitation of manholes. They would put out these low bids contractor come in, 
apply the material a year later or less, it would fall off the wall and it would happen. All these different cities were dealing with the same problems. Like, well, we hired this contract, come in, rehabilitate, and it didn't set and they didn't know how they were applying it correctly. It was a mess. And I was like, so there's gotta be a better way. Sorry. Go ahead, Cassie. No, you're fine. Like you just made me think of another conversation I just had um, because I was traveling uh, two weeks ago. I went all through Idaho and Oregon and Washington. I met with a bunch of engineers and stuff. And one of the conversations I just had was, you know, they were looking at a, a specific product and they were like, well, do you have contractors who've done this? And I'm like, yeah, there's multiple contractors. And I'm like, one thing that as an engineer you can do is specify the experience they have. Mm. They need to have a certain amount of references of a projects that were completed and that the Q and a has been done on yeah. um, and that, that they can actually reference and you can call those, whether it's a County, whether it's a city, you can get a, you know, a thumbs up. Yep. This contractor did it well. Or, you know, how many miles of experience do they have with certain products? Like how many miles have they installed or how many feet have they installed? Um, right. So that you can, you control that bidding process a lot more if you specify the experience they need because you weed out these con- these mom and pop shops, no offense, that might try and come in mm. with a low bid and think, oh, it looks so easy. I can do this, oh, but yeah. they have zero experience doing it. Right. So that that can be very controlled, too, by the specification. Yeah, that's one thing we did uh, previous company. We would just say, hey, you know, we 500,000 feet of experience or millions of experience, right? Yes. Millions of feet of experience, yes. you know, that kind of stuff. Put that in the spec and that that seemed to do well. The only thing was is the references we would post them. And I'm like, a lot of the cities never, never followed up on them. They never checked them. Right. They never had the time to really do it, I don't think, because they're trying to just get these engineers are trying to get projects out. So they, I think that's where a lot of things started to fall apart, where the engineer didn't have enough time to, to validate or, or verify that that contractor was actually giving them the right information. They don't either wanted to do it or they just yeah. didn't, you know what I mean? And I'm like, well, how did they didn't, they just got kicked out of the city and they just won a bid in the next town over. And I'm like, how did that just happen? You know, that kind of stuff was happening. Well, and that's where agencies like mine and all honesty, like we're, I'm a consultant slash distributor, but if that is my product specified and there's an experience range in there. And if I see a, if I saw a low bid come in and I, I've never heard of this person yeah. and they've never installed one of my products before. I'm on that phone with the engineer going, they don't meet the specification. Right. They have not installed this many feet of this product. They don't, they have never grouted. They haven't done this. They haven't done that. That's me. Cause that's, that's my name attached to it too. Right. If they're, if it's my product specified, I don't want it done wrong. Yeah. I'm actually, I'm actually going to a job this summer specifically for this reason, mm. because the contractor was the low bidder with zero experience. Yeah, it's it's actually pretty bad that we have to do that. We have to protect the 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 time we spent as as sales reps and and helping the cities basically as a consultant, like you're talking about a rep is a consultant. You're coming in, you're providing a a product, a service, a solution of some sort to the city. They spec it. Right. And then all of a sudden people that do not do what we do, travel and get in front of these things and, and put these specs together. There's always that person sitting back there waiting for this bid to come out and then they start jumping on with all this, uh, you know, inferior products, potentially uh, saying that there's is better and stuff. And that's the stuff you got to deal with. The engineer has to deal with it. Then you have to keep chasing it and keeping ahead of it. Because at one point in time, like you said earlier, the engineer could just switch it and be like, 
oh, well, I think this is a better idea now, you know, and yeah. then you're, you're struggling. You're like that. And, and then all that time is that you spent is, is pretty much, uh, you know, gone. <laughs> so yeah. it's a, it's a really struggle for everyone as you the rep and as the engineer trying to, to understand what's the best solution for the city, you know, hopefully they have their best intentions in mind to do that, the right thing for the city. But there's, there's a lot of factors that play into this that are, that are very challenging. I guess what, what we're on like a warpath of low bid. Virtually. It's a Monday morning. Let's go to it. Uh, so on a positive thing, what are some of the things that, that we could do to maybe fix this problem? Because we're talking about the problem, but there's got to be a solution somewhere. Any ideas? I mean, for me, at least I spend a lot of time focusing on the engineers. So I have spent a countless hours just trying to get lunch and learns, trying to get yeah. webinars set up, I, you know, po podcasts, whether I do, I do a Reline live podcast, yeah. which is live essentially. And it's 30 minutes of just bringing on um, an engineer who has talked about failures, successes. Um, it's, I bring on whoever, whoever's an expert to talk about their experiences and hopefully help educate. Um, you know, I also do a Reline unknown, which kind of digs into that's more of my recorded podcast that digs into like just these things that we don't think about every day in the industry. Yeah. Um, but I really think the education is the hardest. I mean, think about how many engineering firms and I wouldn't, you would never, I would never have thought how many are out there until I started, you know, making a list just in the state of Idaho, like, holy crap. And then I go to Washington and then I go to Oregon and it's like, so, it, it's, it's, a, it's insane how many engineering firms are out there. Yeah. And not to mention you have all the city has their engineer and the right. counties have their engineer and I, you know, the DOTs have their engineers and, but they can't do it all either. So they're outsourcing to these other engineering firms. So how we educate them all, it's going to take time. Yeah. It's time. That's I mean, a lot of resources. So I try and get creative. Like I said, if I can, you know, example was I, I had one engineering firm, they were able to set up a lunch and learn. And I said, well, you have five other offices is, can I send lunch to all five offices? And then they just, we just do it at the one location. They were like, oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. So five offices, one hour, but I send lunch. Like it just saved me. Can you imagine trying like five different lunches and traveling all over three States to their offices? Oh. So I'm trying to get creative and get like technology's technology. If I'm in a room with 15, 20 people, but I have 50 other people around three States and different offices. That just it's That's more awesome. efficient. Yeah. yeah. You're talking about a whole uh, sales process that yeah. needs to be done in order to get what you're talking about, the education out there to help uh, yeah. make better decisions. And the the fact that you have a podcast and you're, you know, female in the industry, you're making a huge difference in the way we're we're transforming the way we're actually selling to government now because it, these businesses have to understand that they can't reach every city, no matter how many salespeople you have, right? You can only right. hit so many cities a day driving in a car to stopping by. And I try and teach people like, use your digital assets. Like, you know, you have yeah. technology sitting yeah. right here, like you and I today, we can post this right now and, and people would be able to see it. So, and you get in front of so many different people doing what you're doing Thank with you. the podcast and the live events and stuff like that. You and I are, uh, you know, getting those out there because we, we know the problems and we just need to bring awareness to them. And, you know, great, great job for, for starting a podcast because it's not a lot of people do it or have the courage to do it. It's, it's not easy. <laughs> so yeah, it's good stuff. So what have you, 
Um, since you've changed your kind of sales strategy now, what has uh, some of the benefits from it been uh, for you? Well, I think the other thing people have to take in mind is it's a slow, it's a slow process, right? I mean, I'm going in front of these engineers and I'm really, I'm talking about all the different products out there. Here's different options for different, different situations. And they may not see a situation for two years, but two years later, when that engineer calls and says, Hey, I have this, I have this issue. I want to send you pictures and videos. Yeah. I, I just get the biggest grin on my face. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, that to me, it's like, oh my gosh, that one lunch and learn, that one engineer, you know, it's, yeah. it was, it, and it might be a small project, but it might lead to a bigger project. Right. And it's just cool that you, they, they remembered a conversation or they remembered something you said and they're like, oh, I might reach out to her and just talk to have a conversation with her about it. Um, that really like, that's, that's awesome. like moving the needle. It's slow, but it is, it's, it's awesome. And then yeah. even like your, your municipalities and your, your local governments, like, you know, you sit down, like, I don't go in there to sell. I go in there and I sit down and say, let's grab a cup of coffee. I'm going to talk to you about some, some examples of stuff. And then, you know, they, talk next thing you know you're talking about fishing with your dad like and and then they remember you and they yeah they want to work with you if they can if right. there's something that you offer so that's that's really rewarding in our industry it's very relationship driven too they've got to trust you and they've got to know that there's going to be times when you say this i don't have i don't have the right product but i think i can refer you to someone who can help because it's not it's not in my area of yeah. expertise yeah, 100%. You're you're right on the money. And that's what we need to teach other salespeople that because yeah. look, a, a lot of the guys that, you know, I was mentored by and things like that, they're retiring, they're getting out of the space. And now you have a younger generation coming up that I don't know if they even want to engage in conversations anymore, like face to face. Like everyone's just kind of struggling to find good salespeople these days. And, and, not, and to be honest with you, no one wants to travel. You know, they don't want to travel five days a week and be out there on the road. Yeah. So, uh, you know, doing what you're doing is, is I feel personally what we're doing, you know, with podcasts and getting our awareness out there and, and, and showing that we're an innovative group of bringing technology and solutions to their, their, you know, the government agencies and we're providing sure. you know, value for that. That's, that's what we're, that's what our goal is, right. It's just to be out there. And, and that's the new way of sales, I think, for going into the future. I really yeah. do. I don't see anything changing. There is definitely um, an, an old school crowd, though. I will say that, that that feet on the streets or boot on the streets, however you want to say it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they're not. I mean, I've been in some counties where, you know, that they've been the public works director for 30 years. And, you know, they're they're not necessarily on the podcast or on the LinkedIn and they're not using that technology. So that face to face time in some instances is really necessary yeah. when you're trying to kind of gap, you know, bridge the gap between yeah. generations. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're hundred percent right. You still have to travel. Like, I think that's yeah. where people are confused is it, it, you still need to build your digital brand, right? Yeah. Build your digital brand, but also, you still have to do those meetings and go out there yeah. when it's a like, okay, well, let's not waste our time. Let's make sure every decision makers at the table though. That's the biggest thing I've always ran into is like, we would schedule face to face, but then someone wasn't there. Someone didn't show up. And then I have to go back for another meeting face to face. You know, we just yeah. didn't make, get the right decision makers there sometimes. So that was always a struggle. 
Yep. Always an issue. Yeah. I mean, I lived, well, I talked to you when I was traveling. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Hey, Chad, I got five hours in the road. Call oh, yeah. me anytime. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I try and again, try and be efficient. I, I plan a whole week on the road. Um, I try and hit as many offices as I can. And I try and not be on the road more than one week a month. Yeah. Um, because I also am running marketing and uh, <laughs> accounts payable and accounts receivable. And <laughs> oh, that's a lot of so work. Yeah. When I'm on the road, it's like late nights in a hotel trying to do the stuff that I didn't get done when I was driving. So right. it's like, yeah, there's definitely a, there's a balance. There is for sure. Where do you think we can start improving infrastructure in general? Ugh, it's a loaded um, question. Like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's so many, I, I guess there's, so many ways to look at that. Um, I do see a lot more money coming in. Yeah. I don't, and I'm not, I don't, I like to not follow politics and all the stuff happening there. I don't right. know if that's like federal infrastructure money. I don't know if that's just certain states that have seen major growth. Cause I'm in Idaho and we've almost doubled in population in five years. Wow. Um, we have an influx of people moving here from mm. states that, they are no longer desirable to live in. <laughs> I think we all know which state that is. <laughs> or states, sorry. I mean states. There's I'm multiple kidding. states. Right, there's multiple, multiple states. states. You're right. So, you know, I, I've, and again, that's like my bubble of the Northwest, right? I have seen a lot more money coming and a lot of, a lot of bids coming out for projects. So to me, that's a really good sign. Yeah. I don't know. Again, I don't know if all of a sudden that dries up then what do we do? Like infrastructure still failing and it's still, it's the years are only getting longer right. that it's been in place that it needs to be addressed. So yeah. it is exciting to see that, you know, I'm starting to see too, a couple of our states that I, I focus on are starting to put these five-year and 10-year plans in place. Mm -hmm. And they're actually looking at pipes and they're looking at, um, culverts and they're looking at counties are doing this too. I've noticed there's, and there's a lot of technology out there that helps with this. Now they, they're a grading system, like one through five, like five is it is at its worst. It needs addressed in the next year, but a three, we are going to relook at it in three years or five years. Like, and, and that grading system is allowing them to figure out what needs to be done now versus what needs to be done later. So they can actually plan their budgets and their resources better. Yeah. That should have been done 20 years ago. Right. But again, their technology is allowing us to kind of make that a more streamlined process now. And they're using it. I'm, I'm, it's exciting to see that they're they're picking up with technology and they're starting to use the tools that they have and the software they have. Um, Utah DOT is a good example. They actually are mapping their entire highways throughout the entire state. And they're one that's putting together a grading system and they're, they're going to have every single um highway culvert addressed within the next five years and have it and inspected yeah so they've yeah. got a plan and i it's cool to see states getting progressive like that yeah predictive maintenance and repairs i mean that's really where the cities need to get to and they need a, uh you know a great financial asset planning tool would be even more beneficial to adding these yeah. all to their systems and then really being able to give a a, a visual perspective on what is happening in your city is what cities really need the leadership right. needs right they need to you can't just walk in there and go to the mayor's uh, and councilman's meeting and then just like 
not have a piece of paper. It's not showing right. anything. You can't hand that out and be like, hey, here, read this on our infrastructure, how bad it is. And it's five pages long. And they're not going to not going to have time. But if you visually show like a failing like water main or a failing sewer yeah. collapse or, you know, like if you show these things, it's going to have more of an impact. And that's where we need to get to. Well, and now that I've um, really started doing education on pressurized systems, there are some really neat um, inspection tools out there yeah. that are focused on, you know, water pipes and sewer pipes. And you can have really neat technology to take to the people that make decisions. And they may not understand it, right. but the visual showing a visual when I get a video of the inspection of a, inside of a pipe. I get to go, oh, here's where some of the problems are. I don't even need to know what, I, I mean, I have obviously no pipes, but yeah. even if I didn't know pipes, I could visually be like, there is cracking in there. There, yeah, yeah, we're losing water. There's water coming in. Like, you don't need to even understand our industry to know that there's a problem. Right. So those tools, and I mean, yeah, you have to spend money, but you, it, you're going to, you're going to spend money to inspect something before you spend a lot more to fix something you're not aware of. Like, yep. just, I don't know. That's just, I was trying to come up with a good analogy. No, it, it's prioritization, you know, triaging the system, right? It's, it's yeah, yeah. I just think of it. It's like, it's like going to a doctor and you, you don't just, the doctor doesn't say, well, you just need this surgery. It's like, no, you're going to go get the CAT scan and the MRI and you're going to see everything. And then you're going to go, we definitely have this problem. Now we'll go into surgery. You're not just, right. you know, you don't blindly just do it. Right. Yeah, there, there's been <laughs> they're, times they're where not, they're my analogy oh, came to me. <laughs> there's been times though in the past like ten years, of my experience where a firm, an engineer, or somebody would just put out something just to put it out there, and I'm like, well, that pipe was just lined. Why are we lying it again? They just didn't know, right? They didn't have right. the intelligence of like what the system had inside of it already, so that right. that uh, you know data wasn't available to them to really understand. So they were like, okay, it's an old clay pipe. It's already they didn't know it was lined, so they would put it in the bid, and I'm like, okay, well that's lined. We got move that to another part. So I think hopefully we're getting that to that point where everything's prioritized. Everyone understands what's going on in their system, hopefully. And right. uh, we can just do better um, uh, condition assessment and repairs, uh, you know, quicker, faster. That would be yeah. the goal, you know, because we're going to need that, that especially goal. if we got money coming in from the federal government and you got a lot of these projects out there. Well, who's going to do it? Who's going to be the closest, best value solution to to fix these, uh, you know, problems in our infrastructure? That's, that's yeah. the goal. Absolutely. Yeah. And when you say, how do we start? I just like my head spins. It's like, there's a lot so to many. start on. Oh, so, I, when I explain yeah. what, what I do and what if people are like, well, hey, that's a lot. That's big. I'm it like, yeah, that's a big problem. But, you know, yeah. we're starting, you know, little places that we can. But it's, you know, it's it's a, an ongoing process. It's not going away. Everyone needs infrastructure. You won't have a sure. community. Right. So, um, Cassie, how can people get a hold of you? Like what's you know, you got your podcast or you got your business. That's let's, let's talk about your, you know, those things and, and how they can get a hold of you. Um, so I'm on all the socials, Pipe Reline Solutions. We're on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. You can just look me up. I connect with everybody I possibly can. Um, you can follow me on the on my YouTube channels where I post all my podcasts, um, but they're also on Spotify and everything else. But also signing up for my newsletter. I send out a newsletter where I have all my upcoming stuff so people can register through that too. Nice. But LinkedIn is, is the easiest way. LinkedIn is the easiest for sure. Yeah, it's the easiest. <laughs> it, is. it is. So, well, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, it's been a great conversation. I, I have a feeling we could talk a lot longer on this one, but yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we did start off on a lot of, uh, you know, 
interesting things at the beginning when low bid. So I think we covered a lot of that. <laughs> and uh, I think that we're going to have to have a reline live just about low bids. I think that would be an interesting conversation. I do too. I would be interested to see how many people we could get to register for a conversation like that. <laughs> we should do that. That's I don't yeah. do that on your side. That'd be great. I got, yeah, that'd be great. I got a lot of things in my head that we could talk about. So <laughs> cool. <laughs> that'd be great. Well, thank you, Cassie, so much. And I appreciate it. And you have a great week. Thanks, Chad. You too. Thank you for listening to the Infrastructure Hot Seat Podcast. We hope that this show brought you some insight on relevant topics within the infrastructure world. Please join us every two weeks on Tuesday for the next episode. If you're interested in being a guest on this podcast, please set up a 15-minute interview with your host at calendly.com slash chadsmeltzer. 